0: cello, you had me at Jell-O. You had me at Jell-O, oh, you had me at Jell-O. Good afternoon, everybody. It's five o'clock on a Friday. And not just any Friday, but the 100th anniversary of this cello chat series. And so for a very special occasion like that, we have a very special guest indeed, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Summer.
1: Mark, how are things going? going? Things are going great, actually. All right. Well, it's super to have you on.
0: And uh, I'm very, very curious, very much looking forward to picking your brain about a variety of things. Uh, so, I mean, on the one hand, we'll, we'll definitely put in some links. Obviously, you're uh, extremely well-known and you've this, you've done other interviews as well. We'll put some of those in for people's education if they're not familiar with all of them. But I, I still I'd like to still ask you to, if you would, walk through aspects of your musical journey because if nothing else, it's interesting to hear what stands out to you. So sure. can, you, can you give us a bit of the how you got to be Mark Summer?
1: <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask my mom about that. <laughs> um, well, First of all, you know I ha- I I like to say I'm in recovery from classical music <laughs> um, because it was very challenging for me because I was very interested in rock and roll and later on blues and jazz and meanwhile I'm doing this very serious discipline that I was somewhat pushed into by my father so it's that, that kind of that's the old story of how things used to go you would play the cello you know. Yeah, it literally took me to a music store, Reseda House of Music in, in San Fernando Valley, pointed, up to, pointed to the um, instrument on the top shelf, way up high. Said, <laughs> you know what that is? I said, you know, I can almost remember the moment, but I can't quite catch it. I think so is all I can remember. I, I, I think so. My dad says, that's a cello, and I want you to play it. So that created all sorts of difficulties later on when when. Um, when I was trying to figure out, you know, what's mine and what's his so, but, but, you know, I've had a, I've had a very interesting career. I am, I kind of say that I'm semi-retired because I, I actually ended up getting um, diagnosed with Parkinson's about five years ago. And you can tell in my head's moving. it's called dyskinesia. Think of it as I'm very excited. Hopefully it won't distract too much. and and also wanted to say there's there's a give to give a shout out to michael j fox and a new movie i want to say apple plus on apple plus um called still which is an ironic title because with as you can see you can he 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 has a he has he's had parkinson's for a very long time and and he's he has much more of a handicap situation than i have and hopefully will ever have but um so that, that's 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 it about Parkinson's. I'm certainly willing to talk about it with any any of you who have it or know someone who has it. I, I'm very free and easy with talking about it. it. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, but the gifts that it brings are challenging. So, hmm. so well, so, you, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, in terms of how I got to be Mark Summer, um, so so so, I started out playing the piano. And I took piano lessons as a child from seven to nine years old. And I loved the piano. I remember we had the, the most terrible piano that you've ever <laughs> seen. Never been tuned, I think. Um, but I went to my piano lessons and I found I found myself having difficulty with two clefts at one time. I don't know, my brain didn't like it or everybody has a problem, you know. And I, I would kind of be going from one cleft to the other, trying to play them. and. Probably because of that, I didn't practice all that much. And what I would do was I would sort of start making up what I thought the music was supposed to be. And I was starting to improvise even at seven years old, which was very important for later years, you can imagine. So so I could improvise. My teacher didn't like that very much. And she she actually let me go, as they say, after two years. Um, And I wasn't that sad about it because I was already playing for fun. You know I, for fun, that's 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 a great thing to have, to be joyful and make music, whether you stu- studied it carefully or not. It brought me a lot of joy. And so I was starting to listen to rock music. I was starting to listen to The Beatles, which is more pop, and I would say, music that that embraced many styles together. It's almost like classical crossover music because of all the orchestrations that George Martin did. So I started taking guitar lessons. Well, I took guitar lessons for a month, you know. And then, then my dad, as I said, you know, got me into classical music. And my first teacher was Edwin Gaber. who's uh, was a cellist in the L.A. Philharmonic. So, you know, it, it was a big deal. Cellos are expensive. Lessons are expensive. Um, it's, all, it's all a big deal to a, to a nine-and-a-half-year-old. So so then I studied with um, Edwin's wife, Gretchen, Gretchen Gaver, who is a very prominent uh, cello teacher in the L.A. area, and and then I ended up going to the Cleveland Institute of in Cleveland Institute of Music and studying with Stephen Gaber, the the principal cellist of the Cleveland Orchestra at the time, and boy, you know, fortunately before I had gone to CIM. I had gotten gotten into a program called Congress of Strings which amazingly was funded by union dues that included union dues from brass players and woodwind players and you know non non classical members for a, for a string ensemble that that played four concerts two weeks for each concert um I went two summers so I played 16 no, I played one, two, three, four. I, I played eight, eight concerts over two years. A very complicated, interesting music by contemporary composers at the time, like Berserketti and um, Leonard Bernstein, uh, Age of Anxiety, and, and as well as the chestnuts, you know, the gorgeous chestnuts of like Tchaikovsky's Serenade for Strings, Dvorak's Serenade for Strings. And so, so all of a sudden... I was enjoying playing in an orchestral an orchestral situation, you know. It was all strings, so it's all it's kind of like your brothers and sisters of the, the music world. Um, and the other thing that I noticed was people were playing baseball, and they were throwing footballs and frisbees. Classical music's could be musicians could be, you know, fun people, interesting people, intelligent people, of course. Um, and I and, and so I started shifting my idea of of what classical music meant to me. And, and I, but it took me a long time to understand what I wanted to do. And it first of all led me to get a job in the Winnipeg Symphony. The small, small orchestra with seven cellos. I mean, you know, people were bringing on. C strings. You know a whole set of strings onto the stage putting it by their chair and breaking c strings i mean can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> because they had a full complement of woodwinds and brass oh, yeah and timpani and percussion the usual suspects so and, and the other thing i want to say was I, I was in a rock band while i was taking cello lessons and i just assumed that my teacher gretchen at the time would would really hate that i was doing this Later on, I was surprised that when she said to me after I after I quit the symphony, I thought, I thought that everyone would just look down on me that that was in cla- that was in the classical music that I knew. She says, "No, it's like Benny Goodman, you know, this gr- great uh, clarinetist that yeah. uh, that, that uh, played the co- I think the Aaron Copeland wrote the, his clarinet concerto for Benny Goodman." So so I discovered, just as an aside. What teachers really want is for their students to make a living. So, so I started playing in Turtle Island, and we didn't make any money for three years. At least. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we made a nickel. Maybe we did, but but certainly not for the first year. Nothing. Nada. Um, but but it was my dream come true not to play in a jazz string quartet. That was David Balakrishnan's dream come true. He and he found, you know, Daryl Anger. Myself and uh, and and eventually Irene Sazer, so a great great quartet with a lot of complimentary uh, um, styles that we that some of us played bluegrass like Daryl, some of us played classical music and and rock like me and 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 Irene was like that too. And taking taking all these styles that we've been influenced by, and and including you know talking about Brahms and amazing Bach, and we would take turns leading. And I and and I found that I had a place where I could use all my skills, and 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 so I did that for thirty years. All right.
0: Well, um, I have some I, the the usual question I ask next is about motivating students. I think I'd like to get a little bit more specific. Because um, I mean, for one thing. Just even hearing you play either with the quartet or solo, or playing through any of your pieces is so motivating for so many people. But one of the things one of the things is mentioned in your blog about the idea of self-appreciation. I remember you used the term self-appreciation rather than beating yourself up, always looking at things that were less good than you expected. Can you talk a bit about your your attitude towards kind of giving yourself permission to appreciate your musical self?
1: Sure. the first thought I thought when you said that was giving yourself permission also to make mistakes see seeing seeing the process and having the maturity to to realize that it's a it's a complicated subject how to be how to how to how to be true to yourself take what your ke- teacher has to offer the special gifts that they have why you decided to study with them in the first place and to make something intelligent and 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 fulfilling and i have to say it's almost like an immaturity that 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 i had for myself of i need to please my teacher that's the most important thing it's not. You need to please yourself, and 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 to make use of what your teacher has to offer. To remember that you're in charge of your life. You're in charge of your your journey as a musician. Um, take advantage of having you know having the uh, wherewithal to talk to different musicians, and and not necessarily cellist if you're a cellist. You know, maybe the timpani player. In the orchestra, like I was at Cleveland Institute of Music Floyd Duff was there. Claude Duff, Claude Duff very famous um, timpani player. you might you might want to make your you might want to make your presence known and 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 think about what you would have to offer to someone like that. I'd like to take you out to lunch and pick your brain, you know Steve Stephen gaver he, he, he was a very interesting teacher. Um, I learned a lot from him. He he was a he was like a sports figure, he he literally played uh, softball and and, and injured had injured himself unfortunately before our first lesson. So he he never brought his cello for the longest time, but he he picked up my cello and he played, and then and then the one negative was, I would play and I would think this I had a a difficult cello to play. It was like it was a an an old English cello from eighteen hundred. And, and this was before everyone was buying modern instruments that were much easier to play and so healthy. I, I I have I've had two modern cellos by, by Joe Grubin, and Cipher. Seifert. And so so he would he would one time when I went to Blossom Festival, Blossom Festival School, in um, Kent State, and he came in. So the orchestra played the night before. He came in the lesson and he had his eyes closed and he was like. Mm-hmm. And he takes my cello, and he—I was doing um, a Mozart string quartet where the cello plays all these great variations: bum, 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 bum. And I could never get it the way I wanted it to sound. And he sat down and just, of course, you know, he played it many times. So, yeah. Well, with your, you have taught
0: individuals, and then you teach in group sessions as well. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, to what extent do you find yourself um, trying to address for students, you know, getting outside of either a perfectionist tendency or the pleasing the teacher and get inside their own priorities in a way like another thing that you have talked about before i think more in terms of how you compose is getting in the zone but there's something about getting in the zone when you're practicing too wouldn't you say
1: yeah and that's a really tough thing for for me for me some some people just great practitioners, you know for for me with with a perfectionistic approach the problem is very quickly you can get sort of you can sort of, I don't know, get sandbagged by yourself, you know, it's like, okay, I have to practice, because I'm supposed to practice a lot. And, and I'm supposed to play, I, I think one of the things I've always suffered from in my life is the feeling that I should know things before I've even learned them. So so and then if you have a teacher that plays for you, that's been working, you know, you know, they're usually much older than you. And, it's just it's it's you put yourself at a terrible disadvantage, you know, so so that the musicality that you have and that you're learning to expand upon sort of goes away in in a sense. And you're like, I have to play like my teacher. But how do I do that? and 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 what what can I do now in my lesson? all of a sudden, with that tremendous pressure of performance, you know, it it can be very um, very difficult to to be using an understatement. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity. If you can work through that and and you know you take that lesson, those those lessons of of playing for yourself, of being kind to yourself and and learn and and it's, it's again it's maturity, like growing up it's funny that I'm using that word. Gretchen Gamer used to say, "Mark, it's a question of maturity." That's how she said. but it's it's true. It's like how can I help others? What do I have to offer as an artist? You know, why am I doing this? I mean, god forbid if you're doing it for the money. You know, it's, you're you're in the wrong business. <laughs> My mother said to me once, and she's don't you don't get me wrong. She was my biggest supporter. She's still alive, and she, you know, I still play for her. I play piano for her. I I, I write original music. I play for her. She goes, oh honey, that's just wonderful.
0: You know, youngsters these days they have so many distractions and they have so many short attention span things. Their phone, everything. But the ability to just find what it is that you're that you like about a particular musical line and what it is you want to say through it. I mean, in a way, it seems to me that your approach, you are willing to look at all sorts of other sources for inspiration. Piano, guitar, bass, you sing, um, you know, you look at different styles. But then when you practice or when you compose, you're not trying to be something other than, you know, you you let you, the musical idea kind of go where it wants to go when you get in the zone. Is that is that safe to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I'm coming back to something else. Like I'm in the zone when I'm performing. The zone of practicing, the zone that goes with practicing, not so much. And so that, that's my own individual bugaboo. I mean, how to get in that place. So sometimes I have to. Well, it's a few things. It's been recommended to. Uh, I'm I'm really a practitioner, literally, of, of doing meditation. Tibetan Buddhism has been a big part of my life. Um, other other kinds of meditations. Getting yourself not in not in. See, being in the zone. So, yeah, of course you want to be in the zone, but it, it it sounds like it has a tinge. of, You know, I've got to be in the zone, then I'll do good work. I mean maybe a gentle zone a, a zone that a zone that has some extra oxygen so you can go hmm you know I, yeah I want to play like my teacher if 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 that's what you want but I want to play my, like myself I need to get to that place through my process um I did I was taking some notes about what I want to talk about and and it's a real art to learn how to practice well um, I remember meeting Yo-Yo Ma a few times, and the last time, one of the last times I saw him, it's been a while. Um, he was, he was. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he was playing with the San Francisco Symphony, and 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 so he said he was playing the um, Symphonia Concertante by Prokofiev, and I said, oh, I, I didn't know the piece, but I knew it must be difficult because Yo-Yo Ma is playing so uh, it. I, I, I said so how long have you been practicing it thinking he's going to say a year because you know when you're a kid you know you're you're practicing music for quite a long time relative to when you come pro you know and he said two weeks and i said two weeks Yo-Yo. How how is that possible he said well he said um i know what i can do so he so he makes the time he's very busy and he makes the time and he practices slowly. Like, like I don't know what his process is, but I'll, I'll, I'll just insert what I think he does: practicing slowly, giving yourself time to work on intonation um, by not rushing through the music. Going, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy the cool parts, and you know, I mean, you need to absorb everything about the piece because you're gonna be on stage with a giant orchestra. It's, I call it dancing with an elephant. You know, it's 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 very complex how to fit in with that the big band. That's another thing thing I think of it as. Um, so so he said, I know what I can do. And when I saw the concert, he Yo Yo played. Um, he he had learned all the themes, the the beautiful lines of the piece by heart. So he had the music on the music stand. Yes. To students, yes, you're allowed to use music. I don't care what anybody says. You you got to get yourself into a place where you can be confident. And if that means having the music, go for it. In in my humble opinion. So so yo-yo, yo-yo ma has the music, but he's playing, he's playing the melodies and 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 he has so much about communication, about connection not more with his fellow musicians than with the audience in in, again, in my opinion, I mean, he's, he's all about connection, but connecting with the audience for for sure. And, and how well he speaks and, and, and describes what he's doing, you know, but he's connecting with the orchestra. He's, he's everywhere. He's he's, and, and then everybody plays better and everybody stops worrying about mistakes and just does a great job. And you know what what's better than that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> right. here, here. All right. So if if I can also
0: ask, uh, when I hear you play, one of the things that really strikes me is how incredibly not just solid, but compelling your rhythm is. So I just I wonder, for example, I mean. Like in Julio, there are rhythms. I know we're entitled to take rhythmic license in in our art, but there are certain rhythms that it seems like quite a number of people don't play accurately. Um, and I'm I'm sure that all the rhythms that you do in several of your pieces that that you're you're just finding something that that you like. And then you figure out, okay, now how do I have to notate that? How do I have to write it down? But you bring such a solid rhythmic foundation as like a precursor to everything you do. So how do you teach rhythm to youngsters? Or how do you kind of try to, or when you do workshops, convey the need for getting that level of just temporal commitment to the music, kind of have to coin a phrase?
1: Temporal commitment. I don't know. I'm making it up. Great! That's awesome. That's a good name for a, for an album. Um. Well, I did. I mention I was in a rock band. Yes, I did. So I taught myself how to play drums. I love drums. I love percussion. I love the way that bass and drums go together to 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 create a foundation so that so that you, other musicians can play over it. Um. So so when I I've done a lot of teaching, but, but most of it has been in group situations where because Turtle Island would get hired for a concert, and with that concert would be would be teaching, doing a lecture demonstration, which is a presentation without instruments, but but doing workshops where the students would bring their instruments. And I I, I know I was trying to I was trying to teach this crazy piece or these, these concepts. Of, of of using the the cello as a percussion instrument, um, using it as a bass, using it as a drum bass, uh, trying to, to trying to imitate the sounds that and qu- quality of the phrasing that a tenor saxophone would use. And meanwhile, I had the job, the gig, to try and make this string quartet, this crazy group made of very different players of different trainings. You know, Daryl is an amazing is an amazing bluegrass player, and 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 what did what would I have to, to say about bluegrass? Uh, had I ever played it? No, um, just just a little bit, just a little bit. I had I, I had improvised on the cello for a year. Um, hopefully, you're going to get to hear one of one of the first pieces that I wrote called "Frozen Buddha," which is which is uh, in Canada where I was working. Is, is the equivalent of cosmic bliss in the United States, a frozen dessert that's a vegan ice cream is what it is. But the style is um, 60s jazz, almost like something on the TV show Manix, which nobody that listens to this is gonna know about, you know. But um so so, so to get to get students to, to be able to have the the rhythmic foundation that I have. It's not easy. You know, people say they want to learn how to play other styles. And then you then I'll say, well, what are you listening to? Are you listening to jazz? Are you listening to blues? Are you listening to rock? Well, a lot, it's changing. It's changing a lot. But it's still possible to, to have a student that says, yeah, I want to play jazz. And then you go, well, what do you do? You listen to jazz. Well, I, I, I want to. <laughs> You know, it's very, very important. When I started improvising on the cello, seriously, after already doing all this playing uh, playing electric guitar, playing drums, you know, playing key, keyboard, you know, box keyboard organ, um, I went to the main library in Winnipeg and checked out all the jazz string recordings that they had with Stephen Grappelli and Stuff Smith and Joe Benuti and bass players like Ray Brown and... um. Sam Jones, some of those bass players actually played cello, uh, In there would be a bass player and a cellist, the, 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 the bass player, the famous bass player, like Sam Jones, Ray Brown. Ray Brown, by the way, I, I talked to him and I said, Ray, um, why aren't there more jazz cellists? He goes, the damn strings are too close together. <laughs> So I think a lot about embodying rhythms. And I think that the the idea came from not just the idea of tapping your feet, all the things that I was told not to do, you know, expressing your, your using your body, but um but getting getting the rhythms in, into your body by dancing. So I would get I, I would I I would I would make a total fool of myself and tell the students hey, I'm willing to look foolish here. So hopefully you will understand that to learn these things, you might have to be a little foolish, you know, just like a child. You know, I mean, I still remember my very first musical experience outside the home, which was my mother took me to, to a park rec center and we opened the door and there was a rhythm band. And I was like, Oh, wow, it was, I was enchanted by it, you know? So so you have to be open to finding a way to get the rhythm in your body. And so I, I would, I would, oh, and I took Eurythmics at CIM. A lot of people that, that don't have a Eurythmics program don't know what it is, but it's again, getting the rhythms in, in, in your body, learning cross rhythms, two against three, two against five yeah I'm pounding on my wooden floor for the you know the cross rhythm um so it takes a while it takes a commitment it's fun getting these rhythms in your body is great and then when you play Brahms and then you play hemiolas and 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 all sorts of crazy rhythms that people are writing with for contemporary music. Anyway, you've got, you, you've got a lot to learn. I, I, I still have a lot to learn for sure.
0: Well, wow. okay. So another, one more thing about your playing that I wonder if you'd agree that, uh, some young players maybe don't realize the importance of is dynamics. So like, for example, you know, the notes that you put in parentheses in certain pieces to just emphasize just how much, much, much less they are than the other notes. And with talking that, about,
1: you're talking about ghost, ghost notes. Yeah,
0: but but I mean, there's also ways in which I think I hear in your playing all manner of layers of dynamics that with if you took the dynamics out of it, the rhythmic shapes would be a lot more lackluster. You know, you use dynamics with your bow and even in pizzicato as a way to enhance the rhythm further.
1: You're a very careful listener. I would never have described it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and But as soon as I think about it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but I'm thinking about it from feeling, not as much from rhythmic precision. Okay. I think that I think that the rhythmic precision is just something that I developed by listening to the Beatles, you know, and and that's an interesting example. See, I I am one of those people that believe you can trace everything that's good in music to the Beatles, but <laughs> but, but Ringo Starr, who who drummers revere, unless they don't, he plays the song. He he doesn't play metronomically. He plays the song. There's a little bit of speeding up and slowing down, and 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 it, it's very it's very musical to play that way. I mean I mean there are styles of music that use drum machines and things that it, that's another that's another way for for that's a, talking about that an, at another time. But 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 um, much as what we do in classical music. Having feels, you know, playing in playing in time that does that just doesn't describe what's musical. So 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 when you you say dynamics, um, yes, of course. I'm well. I, I would think of it. I would say phrasing. I would mm-hmm. say rhythmic mm-hmm. phrasing, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, a large scale and small scale phrase.
1: For sure. For sure. I'm also looking for freedom um, if I'm gonna improvise. Like, I like what you said in the piece, the wonderful piece that you wrote for Strings Magazine about practicing Julio. Um, Another
0: question I've got for you is, because it's kind of was, re- you reminded me by talking about the evolution of the Turtle Island Quartet. I think we kind of have it a little bit easy today, maybe take it for granted that if we want to play amplified or with pedals on the cello, there's quite a number of options that we have, technological options that we have that aren't necessarily bass specific or guitar specific, but other cellists, oh yeah, this is the setup that you want. But for example, hearing you when you're just, you're going along uh, playing the bass line and then you turn your the chorus or pedal off, and then you improvise and then you you switch the pedal back on and now you're a bassist again. Did you have to figure out a lot of that setup yourself?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, i I think what happened was we made the first two Turtle Island records, and I didn't use the pedal and the pickup. I don't think I had a pickup so so, and, and, you know, and I'm a real minimalist about, you know, gear. I, I kind of prefer not to use any of it. Mm. But what happens is, you just get a kind of a wimpy pitch sound. It's a, it's a, it, you know, the cello is not meant to be used as a bass. It's too small. It, 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 it you know, I I do my best, and 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 I, I I dare say I think I gave myself tendinitis from from playing so hard. Um, and then, then different recordings had different setups. We we recorded with Telarc, and they're known for being very fastidious with their recording. I mean, I, they actually don't exist anymore, but uh, unfortunately. Um, and then it turned out that 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 they were fine with me bringing in my amplifier and using a using the volume pedal because it, it's it's such a low Tech setup. You know, it's, it's like getting the perfect pitch sound with with enough with enough volume so that you can really hear it. Because because like I said, with the cello being using being used for pizzicato bass sound, if it, if there isn't some some oomph behind it, it just sounds like a wannabe not uh, Danny Seinberg in the quartet you see nondescript bass like instrument.
0: Mm, see sure, <laughs>
1: so, so. in my mind, that's a that's a funny thing to say. It's it's a it's a little dig and it's it's cute. But in my mind, I'm selecting the strings that I am using. I'm selecting the instrument that I have and and, and I'm doing everything that I can with my technique. Um I'm I'm going like this, you know, using using two fingers pulling the string down instead of fucking up. You know, just different different things to, to create the sound that I hear in my head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the sound that I hear in my head is a combination of Paul McCartney from the Beatles getting a very round sound. And he's using a pick. So he's starting the note cleanly. Now, I'm not going to do I tried to use a harp pick. I tried to use a guitar pick. I don't like the sound. So, so, but I hear that sound. I hear that clarity, and then somebody like Paul Chambers, warm, warmth, a little bit fuzzy sounding, uh, musical lines, you know. Then there's John Patitucci, really clear, really in your face, you know. In in my in my memory of John, um, clarity. So, so I try to have all of that. And I and I and I use a lot of um, glissandos and things again to 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 have a feel and to have the rhythm be unassailable. It's got to be really. I won't use the word perfect because that would make no sense in light of this conversation. Be, to feel right. Yeah. To to feel it in your gut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well mm-hmm. said. Now let's see. Maybe somewhat in closing maybe you have some thoughts about finding joy as a musician and in the field of music that you'd like to share with the audience
1: yes the words of wisdom from a an old time touring musician well one of the things that i sort of said this before but i'll say it again it's like how to be helpful how to how to work with other people and Join together to create something bigger than what you could do by yourself. I mean, I like playing solo cello music. I like writing solo cello music. Um, I'm comfortable with it. Um, it's it's in my control in a sense, but but there's nothing quite like playing with other people, you know, and and connecting and and making something larger than than could be done on your own. Um, that's that's very important to me. And 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 as an aside, also I'll say, you know, I've dealt with a lot of anxiety issues, and I know musicians tip very commonly suffer from anxiety. Um, and I notice, as soon as I have the thought, I'm here for the audience. I'm here to give. I'm here to work with people. You know, if I'm rehearsing. I'm here to make other people sound better, and it, you know then it all changes and the anxiety goes away, and and, and the anxiety gets turned into energy that improves the performance. I, I dare say, the best concerts that I've had are the ones where I forgot myself, and 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 really your your ego goes along for the ride. It's yeah, like yeah. once in a while it says this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah 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 don't get in my way ego you know don't don't get in my way but that's good that's good that you notice that it's, it's going well but if i spend a lot of time going it's going well the next thing i'll go oops, it's not going so well i mean maybe and then and then i remember it's not about perfection it's about well for one thing it's it's about appreciating the perfection of the moment itself that we're here that we're alive that we are blessed to be able to play this amazing instrument and that, and that we can do, we can inspire people, you know, in our, in our country, people don't, a lot of people don't play instruments. They go, boy, I really wish I played the cello. I go, great. Why don't you take lessons? Oh, I'm, I'm much too old for that. I was like, well, if you don't start now you're going to be dead. Um, you know, I've had I had a student that she was say she was like seventy. That seemed really old when I was twenty five. She was studying classical guitar. She was studying piano. So she had two instruments. And classical guitar is you know it's it's not it's not like playing folk guitar with three chords like I do. You know, she was doing complicated repertoire, and then she was doing complicated repertoire with the piano, and then she was taking cello lessons with me. That's three instruments. And then then. Piano is very difficult. It's the, it's I always say it's the easiest and the hardest instrument of all. <laughs> and cello, people used to say, no, there's two, two of the most difficult instruments, the cello and the French horn. French horn because you never know what's going to come out of the French horn. You, you, you could really have a blooper, so to speak. And, and with the cello, the expectations are so high now to, to play this fairly large instrument and be able to get around it in, you know, so that you can really do just about anything on it. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, yeah, but worth the pursuit.
1: Yes. Yeah, Benjamin, well, you you must have a great relationship with your students because you've got a you've got an, you're you're very open to to doing different styles and 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 I want to say when you we're talking about practicing that you wrote that article. I mean, I mean I'm kind of going, oh yeah, yeah, I should practice that section slow, <laughs> slowly, <laughs> trying different fingerings. You know, as a as a student, I'd be like, what what's the right fingering? You know, well, it changes. Yeah. yeah. I had a I had a um Bernie Goldschmidt was was um the principal second violin in in the in the Cleveland Orchestra. And he used to teach us. And, and he'd say, well, I know. he said, I never wrote in fingerings, which would blow me away. How are you going to play without fingerings? Well, you know, he had a lot of experience and he would try different things. And one day, you know, I mean, maybe not one day and then the next day, but you, you, you might want a different fingering as you progress along the path. And 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 you want to try different things. Someone showed me an amazing fingering. I can't describe it to you, but for the um, sixth box, suite, the the prelude, where I can't I can't say it because I still don't understand it. But it was a completely different fingering. It was a completely different idea because you're because you're playing this piece written for a five string cello, you know, and and you've only got four strings, so you're you're way up in that's what makes it so difficult. So he found his his way around, or somebody taught him it, and you get it. Yeah.
0: There's never, we never get to the bottom of the vera. I mean, always dig deeper in all of these respects. Well, thank you so much, Mark. There's a lot, a ton of inspiration and motivation in in, uh, so many of the things you said. So I sure appreciate... Sure, appreciate your time and getting to visit with you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. My pleasure. And and um, I've got lots of music that I'm working on. I I, I intend to write some music for piano and cello, Terrific. which is which is you mentioned. You mentioned about um, writing the music down. That's really that's really what slowed me down. Sure. I, I I wish I didn't have to to do that in order mm-hmm. to share it. But it, but it it'd be a little unrealistic to think that I could do it any other way. So oh, I can't weird.
0: wait, can't wait to hear frozen Buddha.
1: <laughs> I can't either.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, thanks again and best of luck practicing this week, everybody. We'll see you this time next Friday. Take care. Awesome. Yeah, me and Cello, me me and jello.